0: hey everyone you're listening to little bit of life podcast with little this podcast is dedicated to having the real raw and the occasional ridiculous chats about everything that we seem to think but don't say very little is off limits sit back enjoy and let's get started Today's episode is sponsored by Toxic Abuse Anonymous. They just launched an amazing opportunity on their website, FixTrauma.com. For just 99 cents a month, you have full access to the number one community for healing from a broken heart, a community lounge to connect, contribute, and chill, and also, yes, a relationship cemetery where you can finally bury the past. Make sure to check them out at FixTrauma.com. Trigger warning, the following episode is in discussion with narcissism, narcissistic traits, and may be a trigger for some audiences. Job? No, I haven't taken it yet, but I'm going to, obviously. I can't can't believe you're doing this. What am I doing? What do you mean? You're leaving. You're going to New York. You can't just decide to do things. Why can't you just be happy for me?
1: Hey, this is a job that I've wanted for so long. But I just no, want you not to be happy. It was here for me. in Austin,
0: this is what we've planned for. We, it's not as if things always
1: happen according to plan. Well, it's not life. like
0: you can just, can't make you the be changes? a little bit
1: flexible, please?
0: Well, can't you decide something? That's not just for yourself. Why can't you think about me? All you think about is yourself and all the things you want You're saying. I'm being selfish and like I try and talk to you about this. And but you just already, flip out. You've already made a You flip decision. out this isn't at any conversation. any, conversation of me not being. With it's you, not a conversation. You flip out. I mean, you I just, you right. didn't want to see me for two weeks. So you just kicked me aside. You ignored me. I did not. Is that kick what you this aside. is? I asked for space and you couldn't respect that in
1: the slightest. You flipped out. It's like you need me. And if I'm not with you all the time, you're going to fall apart. It is exhausting being with someone who is so fucking needy.
0: I don't need you. I don't fucking need you so get out. Hey guys and welcome into another episode of little bit of life podcast with little as you heard in the intro we are talking about a topic that it seems to be kind of the hot topic in the world of psychotherapy. What is narcissism who is a narcissist is it only for men is it only for women. And the term narcissism now seems to be prone to being misused or misunderstood. We seem to just see this as a behavior um, that seems to be negative, and immediately we, just, we direct it towards narcissism. So what is a narcissist? Um, the definition is the extreme self-involvement to the degree that it makes a person ignore the needs of those around them. And for those that are listening, you've probably heard that and said, yeah, I have had at one point in my life, had an interaction, dated, have a family member a friend, know someone who has been given the term of a narcissist. So what are these traits that we can look for? Um, Some of the traits that are very well known in the world of psychotherapy is exaggerated sense of self-importance, excessive need for admiration or attention, the superficial and exploitive relationships, lack of empathy, difficulty with attachment and dependency, and this chronic feeling of emptiness and boredom with a fear of abandonment. So this can also lead to the future of our mental health, how we feel with our own self-worth. And most think that once you leave a narcissist, whether you were married to one, a relationship, dating, or even a family member, that you are cured and so-called free. But now this is proving very different in this current day and age of what narcissistic behavior can do to your mental health. So I have a very special guest on with me today. She's a great friend of mine, and also make sure you guys check them out. She is one of the founders of Rusty Arrows Boutique, and I know so many people have seen them on my Instagram feed, um, and as well as a sponsor here on this podcast. So everyone, welcome in Paige. Welcome in. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Another day, another dollar, staying alive, staying blessed. Right. So... With this topic of narcissism, um, what is your experience with being either in a relationship with a narcissist or a friend or a family member? What's, what's your experience?
1: Um, well, um, I was, I would say married to, um, a narcissist. I've been married twice actually. Um, and, um, I would definitely say more than likely both of my husbands, um, were a narcissist. Uh, first one Kind of, I feel like, maybe not as um, severe as my second, but my second definitely um, has a lot of traits of a narcissist. Um, Yeah.
0: (laughs) When you say like traits, and this is going to be a topic and kind of a question that a lot of listeners have, and I think it's something that we kind of ask ourselves on a continuous basis when we come into contact with this. Were you able to see or, as they say, feel the red flags in the beginning?
1: No, um, I didn't really. I had heard the term narcissist. Um, I had heard the term narcissism, uh, all those before. But I didn't really know what it was, what to look for, what the quote unquote red flags were. Um, so, no, I didn't. I didn't know.
0: They say a lot with narcissistic um behavior and we're gonna this is gonna be a two-part series so we're actually gonna have adam he runs toxic abuse anonymous that is um the sponsor and in the intro to this episode and he talks about what narcissism truly is and that narcissism isn't just a behavior or acts or traits so to speak but make sure you guys follow up with this next episode with adam it does state that it is an actual um imbalance. And it's something that has to do with the brain and the frontal lobe. And it, it has a lot of really interesting scientific facts. So when we talk about in the intro of narcissism, we talk about red flags in the beginning. The number one red flag you always hear about is called love bombing. And it's where someone will almost just take hold of you completely mentally, physically, emotionally. And they often just make you feel so incredible that no one else has ever made you feel this way before. They compliment you. They put you on a pedestal. They put you literally on top of the world and it starts to slowly decrease over time, but they so-called love bomb you in the beginning just to grab on it and take hold. Do you have experience with that happening in the beginning?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I would say my second husband, um, I don't know if you want me to use his name or not or, or use a different name. Um, so uh, his name was Cody and he, yeah, for sure. He definitely love bombed. Um, it was, you know, you're the most beautiful woman in the world and you're perfect for me. And I've never met anybody that makes me feel the way that you make me feel. And all those, you know, normal, what they call the love bombing, um, words of affirmation, you know, that he just, it was, I was the most perfect thing in the world to him. And, I was the most perfect woman and he'd never been with a woman like me. And he wanted me to he had two kids. Um and I have two kids, so we had four together and it was, you know, he wanted he wanted me to be his kid's stepmom and you know, I, I was just the perfect person and he he definitely love bombed and it was very quickly. Um, our families actually had known each other for a really long time um, we actually grew up together which is the crazy thing um, my family shows horses they did um, his family showed horses and so we were actually around each other when I was probably eight till about 12 or 13 um, and he's two years older than me and then his family actually had to sell their family farm um, so they got out of showing horses and then you know my I grew up and we just kind of got out of doing it as well. And so we actually went almost 17 years without talking um, or seeing each other. And m- my parents and his mom stayed friends. And so it, it all started with like liking a Facebook post that I saw him. And we just kind of reconnected through Facebook. And so it wasn't like it was a completely new person to me either. So I think that made it even worse. or quote unquote, easier for him in a Mm -hmm. sense to, to love bomb me because we had known each other before.
0: Yeah. I think what you said is really key. And it's very crucial when it comes to narcissism, whether we're talking to, you know, each other in regards to this as females, as listeners, there's probably a lot of men that are listening to this and they may have come in contact with a female who's a narcissist. Um, that love bombing stage happens so quickly and I dated a narcissist where it was almost immediate of like you said, the affirmations you're beautiful, you're the most amazing woman I've ever met. You have you're everything I've been looking for. And I think this is extremely important for people to understand. In that moment, your gut tells you something is different, something feels different. I have never been told this before this fast, this quickly. And I have learned to so-called follow my gut because it's kind of that saying like, oh, well, it's too good to be true. And that's that feeling I feel on my side that you get immediately when that quick love bombing comes at you So, so unexpectedly of, wow, I don't deserve this. This is new for me. I've never been told this before. This is too good to be true. So for listeners, when your gut is telling you that, listen to it read the signs, listen to what your body is trying to tell you, your mind's trying to tell you, hey, something feels off. And I think that's really crucial because the next step for me was the gift giving. And not all narcissists do this, but it's almost a way that they purchase you. They buy your affection. They buy what they consider to be love. And that usually happens immediately or kind of in conjunction with that love bombing. So did you have that experience as well?
1: Um I don't know. I don't really remember him buying a lot of things up front. Um he actually when we first started reconnecting through Facebook and talking again. Um he lived in Texas and I live in Kentucky. Um so it was definitely all through phone calls, text messages, um FaceTime, those kind of things. So there wasn't a lot of um, gift giving per se in the very beginning. Um, but he did leave Texas and move to Kentucky. Um, we originally started talking again, um, as friends, you can say, um, on Facebook around father's day weekend, 2017. Um, and by late August of the same year, he had moved back to Kentucky. So it wasn't necessarily a gift giving. It was him leaving Texas and moving to Kentucky within a few months. Yeah,
0: I had that with mine. We had met, he lived in um, New Mexico and obviously I live in Arizona. So we were just one state away. But I mean, one state nowadays is is difficult and um, it was the same. It was immediate. um, I don't want to live here. I can't live without you. I don't want to be away from you. And he relocated and kind of, merged his life I would say into my life but it just became an immediate of we're together this is how it's going to be and it was again that moment of wow this happened really fast I've never felt this way I can't lose you so you almost feel that pressure or that guilt of if I don't do this then this relationship is over and you feel that you kind of owe something to them for everything that they've they've done for you in such a short amount of time yeah with that then comes um living together and then kind of i would say the downfall um so what what were some of the toughest moments uh when you were married to this person that was that had the narcissistic behavior
1: um well like i said after he moved here um he moved here pretty quick and then th- i mean it it all progressed really fast um we we were great things were great the first few weeks were perfect first few months were perfect we didn't really argue or or fight per se a whole lot. Um, and then within the first, see, he moved here in I would say late mid late August of seventeen, and then by late October he proposed. Um, and by Nov n- second week of November we drove to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and got married. Um. And then for about four and a half, five months after that is when I really started noticing the changes. Um, But one thing I do want to note is that he was a a drug addict prior um, for about 10 years, which I kind of knew because my mom had kind of told me because where she was still friends with his mom, um, I kind of knew, but I didn't really know the extent Uh, But he had told me up front that he'd been clean for about two years. Um, and of course I believed him, you know, why would he lie to me? You know, of course he's, he's telling me the truth. He's not going to lie to me, which later I found out obviously was not true. Um, but within about four and a half, five months, I noticed a huge change. He was, his mood was different. His, his attitude towards me was different. He just would fly off the handle for no reason. It was, and it was small things. Um, It was like, I wanted to go see one of my friends who had just had a baby. And it was like, well, you better be back in 30 minutes. And it's like, I can't go see one of my best friends who just had a baby in 30 minutes and come back. And it was things like that Mm -hmm. that started to happen pretty frequently. Um, And it was all mental and emotional, what I call abuse, for a while. Um, And then things started to get physical after After that, and I think it was because he had gotten back on drugs, um, and I just didn't see it. I didn't know because I had never been with anybody that was an addict or on drugs or anything, so I didn't even know those red flags to look for. So, not only was he, you know, the narcissistic stuff, but he was also a drug addict.
0: I think. I mean, I may be wrong. And like I said in the next episode with Adam, he might be able to kind of pinpoint this as the specialist with the so-called narcissistic community. Um, I feel like there is such a high percentage correlation between narcissists and some form of an addiction. Um, I know with my situation, he was an alcoholic. Again, I did not know that. It was very hidden. It was very secretive. It was very discreet through our relationship until a couple months in, very similar. With that came, um, oh, well, I'm just having a drink, which turned into a couple drinks, which turned into, well, I'm just having a bottle because, you know, this is what I like to do. And it became this guilt trip. Um, A friend of mine, she dealt with someone uh, that she was married to. And we've had many conversations. And he actually, his addiction, he had a porn addiction. And it was this massive issue in their marriage that became the downfall of the guilt and the control and, you know, that that ownership that they have on you. So I think it's interesting that you stated yours kind of had a correlation with the drug addiction because I feel like there is a huge codependency that they have on something that kinda of presents itself later on.
1: Yeah, I, I
0: definitely agree.
1: Because, um, like I said, I would have never um I would have never seen it coming as far as as the drug addiction um, back, coming back, Um, because he, you know, he swore he was clean and he wouldn't do that and, and all those things. And it just, it came out of nowhere.
0: And when we talk about abuse and how this does affect our mental health, when you not only are in the relationship, but you also disconnect from this person and you leave and you learn who you are all over again, uh, what would you say were some of the things that were said to you, because I know with narcissism, it's almost this recourse of putting you down or, you know, verbally abusing you. And then almost this immediate uh, response, a traumatic response of, I have to apologize. I have to say, I'm sorry, just to repeat that cycle. So what were kind of the things that you went through?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I kind of almost feel it's like the adverse of the love bombing. It's now, um, you're pathetic or you're ugly, and nobody's ever gonna want you and and it's literally the opposite of what they told you in the beginning is is what I remember um you know the whole like, oh, you're the most beautiful woman in the world well now it's you're you're for me it was the you're fat, you're ugly, nobody's ever gonna want you, and you know nobody's ever gonna want a single mom with two kids. And that lives in a a, tra- a mobile home and da 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 da, and it was just all those things that were so perfect about me in the beginning are now the things that nobody's going to want me for.
0: And I think with anyone, when you hear things that are these triggers in regards to your physical appearance, or you know, like with you being a mother, these things are something that are very sensitive to us in the beginning, in general. So when we hear this and we do that disconnect and we do leave this situation, or you may listeners, there might be a listener that's currently in this right now, being told this and being spoken to this way, it's not an on and off switch like they have to where I said it, it's done and it's over with. These are things that resonate with us as the victim for years or if not the rest of our lives. Is that something that you kind of agree with? Is that something that you kind of suffer still from?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, after it finally like ended with him, um, and it wasn't something that like, oh, it ended and it took me, you know, a few months to get over or six months, nine months, even a year. Um, he, it finally ended um, and he finally moved out and left, um, in December of 2018. Um, and once he did leave, it, it wasn't even, he moved out and he's gone. It was, he left, um, he got even worse off on drugs. Um, he ended up in jail. And then, of course, once he got to jail, it was constantly calling and begging and pleading for me to come back and get him out and send him money for, you know, this, that, and the other, and commissary and all that kind of stuff. And it was, it for a while, it, it worked for him. He pulled me back in. Um, cause I felt sorry for him. Um, and so I spent, I want to say three months every Saturday going to jail to visit him, um, for 15 minutes at a time, 20 minutes at a time, whatever it was that they would allow that weekend. Sometimes they had certain weekends where you could bring like canned foods and get an extra 30 minutes. So of course I took canned foods for, you know, the homeless shelter so that I could get an extra 30 minutes to talk to him and it worked for a while for him and he roped me back into let's work things out when I get out I'm gonna do this and I'll go to a rehab and you know again then then we're back to you're the most beautiful thing and I you know I'll be better and it was again with the love bombing and that worked for like I said about three months um and and then I don't exactly remember everything that happened because I've I think with my my healing and my, my coping with everything, I've blocked out certain situations, and I don't really remember them a whole lot. Um, but I do remember one thing when I went to visit him at one point in jail. I had noticed that he had gotten, of course, a jailhouse tattoo. And I was like, why are you doing this? it's, it's <laughs> doesn't look good. It's nasty to me. And I, I was like, please don't do anymore.'" And he promised he wouldn't, which I was like, okay. I didn't really believe him just by the way he was acting. Um, And then the next time I went to visit him, he had, it was summer. I mean, blazing hot, you know, 70, 85, 90 degree weather. And he comes in in long sleeves. And I mean, granted, yeah, he's in jail, but he had never wore long sleeves in to visit me at any point. And I was like, why are you in long sleeves? And I made him pull his, his sleeves up. And he had his whole arm covered in these little tiny skulls and, and flames. And I was just like, are you kidding me? And I hung up the phone and I was like, I'm done. And I walked out of that jail and I never looked back. Cause to me, that was the, that was the, 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 the sign that he's not going to change. He's not willing to change for me because if he was, and he really wanted me back, he really wanted to work this out. He wouldn't have done this. And I had't been in that jail for two minutes when that happened, and i I slammed the phone down and I walked out and i I never looked back.
0: I think it's important to kind of go through the the terms or the you know the the key phrases in regards to narcissism and for those that may be listening and they aren't really sure, am I with someone who is a narcissist or am I maybe the narcissist because i've I've been in a lot of um community groups and blogs and Different lives because this is something that is now being talked about as a topic even more and more and more. Um, So I'm always in kind of different community spots and online and, and media tools. And the number one thing that we discuss when it comes to narcissism is them discarding you. And I think this is crucial because narcissists will discard you when they, not you, but when they no longer feel. That you serve a purpose in their life and they're and you're helping to get their needs met. And a lot of people sit there and think, okay, well, what happens when, you know, they, they choose to discard me? What can I do? There is nothing that you can do at that point to make things better because the narcissist, they've already focused on themselves, which is usually their key in the very beginning. They just choose to kind of drag you along until their needs are met. And as they say, their supply is fulfilled. And when you stated, you know, yeah, he came back and there was always this, you know, love bombing, this repeat cycle. The sad truth is, is they almost always will return. And the discard, especially the first one, is just a way that they devalue you as a person and they exert further control. So their hope is that once you realize how little you mean to them, you will work harder to please them. You will work harder to get them back. And this is such a crucial thing that we all have to sit and support each other because when I'm in these community media boards and blogs and lives, I kept reading all of these women that were like, I think I'm gonna leave. I think I'm ready. When you are, when you think you're ready, you always have to be mentally and emotionally prepared that they will come back. And so many people ask, okay, well, like, How do I know that they're finished with me? And how do I, you know, how do I, how do I make this known? Like I'm done with you. And the key thing with them, as you stated, is no contact. When you're done and you have had enough, the no contact is the simplest method to stop everything with them dead in their tracks. Stop communicating with them, even when they discard you they always will lean they'll, they'll always leave a line of communication open so that they can access you whenever they choose to and i think that's crucial because when we're talking about mental health mental health and healing from this type because it is an abuse and healing from this type of, of of abuse it takes a really really long time and when you're in that healing process and they're constantly keeping that open line of communication It's just allowing you to continue to rip the bandaid off, but you're never actually healing the wound itself. And a lot of people have experience with this. They have mental, physical, emotional abuse. So it has to be something that you're willing to pull back, which is so hard. Look at yourself and realize, am I ready to start the healing process? Because they will return. It's just, it's just a given. So for you, what was the most difficult part in disconnecting or leaving when you reached that point, when you were ready?
1: I think the the hardest part was my kids. Um, even though, unfortunately, they did see a lot of things and arguments and actual physical fights that I never wanted them to see, but he was the one who put them in the situation because I would do my best to try to have whatever was going on at that, at that moment and in that fight in our bedroom. Um, he would always seem to carry it into the living room or the kitchen where they were or where they could at least hear and would come out of their rooms. Um, I feel like, having them see him leave um, because they were here when he packed up his stuff finally and did leave. Um, Having them watch him leave was hard because my youngest at the time was only, I think three and a half. Um, So he and his and my youngest's dad has never really, he's there, but he's not there. If, if that makes sense. Um, so he was calling him daddy, um, and he had done that on his own. Um, when, when he first started coming around, he just started calling him daddy on his own. We, we never, you know, asked him to, or wanted him to, he just did. And so for him to watch him leave was hard and trying to explain to them why was the hardest. Um, I knew I would eventually be okay no matter how long it took, they were the hard part. Um, but now looking back, I actually feel like they took it easier, and I've—it's taken me longer than it took them because I took on more physical, mental, and emotional abuse than they did. Um, they do say they say kids are resilient; they can, you know, they they. Are resilient to things like that and and I feel like it's true to an extent because I still have trauma to where I can't go to certain places or if I go to a certain you know place I, I have memories and it's hard for me whereas they don't that I know of they don't they don't talk about it so I feel like they they're fine whereas me I don't think I will ever completely 100% totally recover from it. And, and I feel like
0: they're okay. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people will, um, really sit and listen to this and they're probably in the same position you are, um, in regards to being a parent and having children. Uh, the person that I was with, they did have children. And I think that kind of Drew me in quickly because it's, it was such an amazing thing to see. Oh, you're such an amazing parent. And I love the love that you have for your children. And then once you're in it, it's almost this guilt of, I don't want to leave. I can put up with this for the children for longer because I chose this. They didn't. And it's that guilt feeling of if I'm gone, how are how is this going to affect them? If you're the one that, you know, doesn't have the children or you do have children, like you said, you merged, you merged families, people get used to people. But as adults, we're able to understand that disconnect children. Yes, they're resilient, but it's that they haven't, like you said, they didn't see everything. They didn't hear everything. So it's teaching them right from wrong, but it's also so difficult to teach children. Hey, this is what a narcissist is like, look out for this. Don't do this because I think we often blame ourselves of why didn't I see this sooner? Why did I put up with this? And I see a lot on these social media blogs of I'm blaming myself for wasting my time, or I'm blaming myself for having this person come into my children's life and then leave, or, you know, I've wasted all of this time, all of this money, so did you have kind of those guilty feelings when you did the disconnect after everything ended, or do you even still feel that way now?
1: Oh, absolutely. I definitely did. My, um, my, my kids, like I said, I have been married twice, um, and I have two kids with two different dads. So, I mean, in all honesty, I would say I've had three um, serious relationships, not including the one I'm in now. Um, So I have my my oldest, who was with my first husband, my second kid's dad, and then the one that we are discussing now. Um, And he actually wanted to have a kid with me. And thank God I didn't. Um, Because having to be tied to him forever, I just can't even imagine what that would have been like. But I definitely still have um, guilt over even bringing him in. Because I feel like had I not brought him in, I wouldn't have had to suffer. My kids wouldn't have had to suffer. My family wouldn't have had to deal with the things that they've had to deal with. But then again, it's like I wouldn't be who I am today had I not gone through what I've gone through with him. I don't think I would be where I am. I don't think I would be the person that I am. I don't think... Um, Like you mentioned at the beginning that I would be starting a business in two weeks with one of my best friends. Um, I just, I don't think I would have had that fire in me to be the woman I am today had I not gone through what I went through with him.
0: So I feel like I always say this to some of my friends that, you know, have had relationships and they've come out of a very toxic relationship, whether it's narcissism or just a regular toxic environment. You learn who you are all over again, and it's almost like you're reborn of learning what you like, what you don't like, what you want to tolerate moving forward, what you won't tolerate, and it's a learning lesson, and I think it's interesting because with narcissism, um, and like I said, something I'm probably going to ask Adam in the next episode, it seems to be pretty uh, like a normal pattern, I guess, so to speak, I don't like using the word pattern, but most people who move from one narcissist relationship seem to attract or find another one quickly thereafter to where we repeat the pattern. And I think that's where we get frustrated of like, okay, I know how this feels and I know what everything was in the beginning. Why did I not learn my lesson? Because I went from one narcissist was single for a couple of years and then found myself in a completely other relationship that was similar, but It's like I almost felt guilty of like, okay, like, did you not learn your lesson? Do you want to rip a Band-Aid off again? So I think it's interesting that you said you've been married and you've dealt with this, but you also had, I'm going to say, like a repeat pattern. So was it similar when you went and like met your second relationship that had like narcissistic tendencies or was it completely different from the beginning?
1: I would say the second was, was different. Um, my first husband and I, we met when I was a senior in high school. Um, and then we were together five years before we got married. We were together two and a half, if not almost three married, um, for us. I want to say he, he wasn't, I wouldn't call him a full blown narcissist. Um, he had what I would call narcissist narcissistic tendencies Um, he had a lot of anger issues. Um, he's bipolar. Um, and so I would say for us, we just grew up, we got older, we wanted different things. And once we became adults, we just didn't really want the same things and we weren't good together. Um, now that we're separated the last, Um, I would say two and a half years, probably since my, my second husband left, we are amazing at co-parenting. Um, we get along great for the most part, every now and then we have, you know, little tiffs. Um, but overall we get along great. Um, we co-parent great. Um, my current boyfriend and him are actually really good friends. They've become really good friends over the last year that him and I have been together. Um, and all in all, he's a great dad. Um, he's really good with my youngest son. Um, he, he treats him like he's his own as well when he's around him. He's taken him and done things with him. I just think with that, we grew up, we, we grew apart, and and he had still a lot of anger issues he had to work on. So for us, it, it just would never work. Um, the second one was just mm-hmm. he's a complete narcissist, and then you throw in the drug addiction And the wanting to control everything, it was a whole different ballgame, I feel like.
0: So when when you get discarded, so to speak, from the narcissist, and you start to disconnect from them, and then you start to get into this mindset of like, okay, I'm healing myself, and now I think that I'm ready. Like, I'm ready if I find the right person. Did you have the experience, possibly like I did, where you almost have like this trauma response to everything that happens when you're meeting people, whether it's a relationship or a friendship, it's almost like you pick apart red flags on purpose and you try and find something. And then it's almost this like traumatic response of like, Oh, well, are you a narcissist? Cause I don't want to feel this again. And you almost have this, this panic of trying to see these patterns when you move forward, like, do you, do you have like trust issues or do you have almost that fear it's going to happen again? Or what if?
1: Uh, absolutely. I definitely have trust issues. I don't trust people easily. It's really hard for me to trust anyone, even friendships. Um, and weirdly enough, when I was healing from my second husband and him leaving, One of my friends got me onto TikTok and I I always feel so silly saying it out loud, but TikTok really helped me. Um, It really got me through the beginning stages of him leaving and dealing with it and coping with it because I was like, oh my God, there's all these other people out there that have dealt with the same thing or are dealing with the same thing. Or it was just the funny videos on TikTok that instead of laying in bed at night crying or dwelling on my situation, I would laugh and, you know, watching people be happy. Um, there were certain creators who would just, I would sit and watch 10 videos of theirs a night and it would just, it would take me out of the situation I was in and put me somewhere else. And it helped. Um, it, it also helped me find my voice. Um, it gave me back some confidence that I didn't have, To make my own videos, which I downloaded TikTok and was like, I'm never going to make a video. And now I have, I don't even know how many on there. (laughs) And so it, it, yeah, it really helped me, I feel like, find myself again in a way. And I always feel so silly saying that out loud, but it did. And I feel like it does for a lot of people. And it, and it, led me to a lot of really great friendships um I have found some really great friends through TikTok and and I know they're going to be in my life forever um and my current boyfriend I met through TikTok so Mm -hmm. as weird as it is it's helped a lot and I I don't know where I would have been had I not found it when I did because I had some really
0: dark nights for sure Mm -hmm. I um I really like that you talked about that because I think there is such a such a stigma of in regards to anything when it comes to mental health of you know hide your feelings and don't discuss it and don't be weak and they people always think okay well if you're not happy in a relationship then just leave then just leave them what's so hard and if you are on TikTok um like I said I've I've mentioned him numerous times in this live um in in this podcast he, he isn't incredible. And when I was on TikTok and I was going through some really dark times and not really sure what to do and what my next move, so to speak, was going to be, um, his name on TikTok is Toxic Abuse Anonymous. Uh, he has over 257,000 followers. His videos are incredible. He goes live all the time and he also has Instagram. But he is, I say, the god of narcissism because he has a book, he deals with lots of different media outlets, and he talks about trauma bonds, um, how to disconnect, how to leave. But it's not, there's no judgment. And I think that's really important to feel that you have a safe place to go. And I know that TikTok has provided that for a lot of people. Yeah, there's positive and negatives. And you know, yeah, you you post content. But there is a lot of support on this app. And I think if you have the courage to reach out and tell your story like you're doing. You're going to realize that you're not alone and all the feelings that you have felt, people have been there, gone through the same thing and are, and are healing with you. So you're not alone. Um, he did start a new website. It's called FixTrauma.com. It's something I mentioned in the beginning. And he's only charging, which is so phenomenal to me. It's 99 cents for the month. So it's a dollar for the month. And he was on live the other day and was discussing this. It's 25 cents a week. We spend more for a cup of coffee. And it's amazing because he goes on and it gives you a community of other people who are dealing with these feelings like you and I have discussed. It's community boards. It's You can literally go on there and instantly find someone to talk to, someone to relate to. You can even go and they have like private peer-to-peer messaging, live events, webinars, and it's an access to a team of experts. And I think when we're dealing with the trauma, we're not really sure who to talk to and where to go. So I love the fact that you stated you have found your voice and kind of been reborn just through social media because it's putting yourself out there, which for a lot of us is really, really difficult. So if we have a listener right now to end this up and they are in that really uncomfortable, scary, dark moment, and they're listening to you right now and they relate to everything that you and I have talked about, but they don't know how to leave or they don't know what to do next. What would your advice be to somebody that's in that moment of kind of uncertainty?
1: Um, My biggest thing would probably be to lean on family, um, lean on friends, Um, and I had still have a really great therapist, um, who helped me a lot. I didn't really see her a whole lot when I was with Cody, just because he was like, I don't know why you need a therapist. Um, of course they don't want you talking about what's going on, you know, behind closed doors. But if you have somebody like that, it, it helps. Um, she definitely helped me after the fact
0: Yeah, it's ultimately at the end, putting you first. And narcissists tend to go for the givers, the people who will give and give and give everything they have, oftentimes putting others before themselves. And when that flip happens and you kind of take control and instead of giving to them first, you start to give to yourself and you start to so-called take the control and take your life back, Like she said, that is sometimes when it does get dangerous, because the one thing that they cannot stand to lose is control. So definitely be safe, um, be strong, because they will always come back even years later. Um, Just be ready. But thank you for coming on, telling your story, talking about this, because I know it's, it's something that is really nerve-wracking to talk about because I know unless you've been in that situation, most, like I said, most just think you can leave. If you're not happy, just leave. And when you are in this bond, which is a trauma bond, it's not that easy. So thank you for coming on, talking about this topic. And again, I am so proud of you healing and learning about yourself, creating this new business. It's called Rusty Arrows Boutique. They're getting ready to launch on June 2nd. I am anxiously awaiting. I cannot wait for your website to go up, but make sure you guys check them out. I will also put your uh, boutique information in the bio for today's podcast. So guys, make sure you show her some extra love because she's so important to me. I'm so proud of her and her friend for doing this. And we're definitely going to have you back on after we probably talk to Adam and kind of maybe we'll just do like a three-way podcast and kind of see what we can relate on. (laughs) Thanks for coming. I really appreciate having you on today. Thank you so much for tuning in with me and spending your time hanging out. Hopefully you enjoyed today's podcast and a special thank you to all our sponsors. Make sure to check them out. If you have any tips or topics, feel free to email me at littlebitoflifecast at gmail.com or you can also reach out to me on Instagram at littlecute1az. You never know if your topic will be next. Be sure to join me again for another episode of Little Bit of Life. Until next time, stay positive, stay blessed.